I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the Saturday edition, our double daily dose of truth and constitution and principle, not fake fact or agenda. I'm here with you today, and I have also with me my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. Welcome to the show, J.C. Thank you. And uh, we are in Utah today doing an amazing property rights symposium I've been very excited about, we've talked about here on the show. And we're hoping uh, that this property rights symposium will be something that we can duplicate across America. So in uh, St. George, Utah today, welcome you to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Man, midterms are really heating up, aren't they? Seems like it. And um, we have people not not above lying and cheating and manipulating to, to get their way. And, you know, it's, it's bad enough that we have governments that are involved in uh, this voter registration fraud scheme, but we even have the media involved. I pulled up this story, uh, Elle magazine. You may not know what Elle magazine is, but you know who Elle McPherson is. I know you know uh, who Elle. She's I've heard of it. Ginormously beautiful supermodel. So anyway, um, from a long time ago, she was big. Uh, she's not doing that anymore she's retired so she has a magazine l magazine and according to rt l magazine sent out a tweet of uh kim kardashian and kanye west saying uh uh, kim kardashian and kanye west are splitting up so this is your your typical star worship kind of crowd that you have here right? right And there's a hyperlink under that, and it went out yesterday at 1.23 p.m. And the hyperlink, well, everybody thinks you click on this hyperlink, you're going to go to a story about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West splitting up. But you actually go to a voter registration site. Oh, wow. How crazy is that? So Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are not splitting up, but the post sends people to... A uh, a um, voter registration site, not to an article about Kanye and Kim Kardashian. And so several things are coming to my mind. 
why would they because f- how many people number one are never going to go for the click right because people have become sort of immune to this whole clickbait stuff all they're going to do is go run around and spread this this belief this headline kim kardashian and kanye west are splitting up oh you mean share the tweet without actually going there right share the tweet start spreading this fact So the question that comes to my mind is, of all of the popular couples, why did Elle choose this one? (laughs) Right? I'm serious. Uh, This this attack on Kanye West has got to be exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. And now what we have, I mean... I just don't understand. And so we have, and I'm not opposed, let me put it this way, I'm not opposed to private businesses encouraging people to vote and even encouraging people to vote based on the principles of that private business. Anybody who is opposed to private businesses doing that kind of thing should start passing legislation to outlaw lobbyists because that's what lobbyists are, right? Private in organizations influencing legislation and voting and that sort of thing so on a on a on a nuclear level (laughs) of course but this just seems over the top but i think this is indicative of where we are was deceptive in society oh it's absolutely deceptive aren't there laws against stuff like this Mm. i mean if you think about no i don't think so it's untrue what do you think so i mean don't people sue for distress and stuff like this yeah well it it, you spread a rumor about a couple they're being divorced i mean wouldn't can't you make couldn't you make an argument this has an impact on your life well you could but i doubt in in this kind of arena that that would you could sue i just doubt that it would be a very successful lawsuit just simply because i'm um, just saying are there no laws for stuff like this no they're not this is okay no, it's not okay, but we don't have to have laws to tell us that something is not okay. We can't le- make everything that's wrong illegal. I, I didn't say we have to. I'm no. just saying. Yeah, but there's... I, I've heard of cases. Like, I mean, I've heard of lawsuits, and if, if there's no law, how do you sue? No, I'm saying there. I'm saying you can sue, but it's not going to be a, a regular kind of uh, uh, win. It's not a no-brainer. And, and the reason you can sue is because you can sue for defamation and within defamation, you have there's no there's no law that you can't stress someone out. So you can't sue someone for distress, but you can sue them for defamation or liable. Now, defamation and liable are very very specific cases. Within defamation and libel, you can assert as as substantiation for defamation and libel the the distress that the that the defamation or libel has cost you. Uh, most of it is really geared around not stress, but you have to have a financial uh, impact. So uh, defamation and libel will not stand on their lo- on their own just because it's a lie, just because it stressed you out. The laws of defamation and libel are linked directly to financial um, impact. How has that impacted you financially? Has it caused you to lose your business? Has it has caused you to lose uh, could could Kanye say uh, this is causing me to lose a a meeting where people are opposed to divor- divorce or something like that? So just simply saying a lie is not illegal. Uh, you have to have some kind of financial impact in order for the case to go forward. 
So that's basically how libel and and slander works. And people who live in the media light, like Kim Kardashian and Kanye, uh, they, you know, the it's a higher standard. It's a well, yeah, it's a higher standard, and not only that. In other words, they have to put up with a, a lot more. They than have to put people. exactly. That's what I mean. They have to put up with a lot more because of the position they've accepted is is based on public attention. And so you have to admit that the Kardashians have done their share of of actually uh, uh, highlighting public attention to their life. Oh, really? I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I there, know you don't. There's know that. somebody. Yeah, right. So anyway, but nonetheless, what we're talking what was her about name? here, Kim. Yeah, right. Play silly. <laughs> so um, uh, honest, honest, honestly, I mean sincerely. Yeah, I know. If you show, if you showed me a picture, I. And said, who's that? I don't think I would know. Yeah, no. Any of the Kardashians, including Kim. I mean, I hear her name a lot. I don't really know who she is. Well, I think I only... Nor do I care. I only recognize her face because of all of the stuff she's been associated with Kanye. And Kanye's in the political news. So, and I don't really pay attention much to all that other stuff, but... People probably don't believe me as I'm saying this, but... Oh, well. I mean, I wouldn't. I I think the people who listen to our show believe you because we don't... We don't get, uh, oh, people know we live a sort of different, unique kind yeah. of life. I watch sports. I would <laughs> and the people sports. who listen to our show don't pay attention to that stuff generally yeah. either. I, maybe so. it's a, some of it's a guy thing because, I mean, I watch sports, football, and basketball. I, I would know. I know those people. Like, I, if you show me some you know certain Mrs. football Bruce players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would recognize him, her, it, whatever. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I guess because he was a sports guy. Right, exactly. When he, when he was a guy. Uh, well, I guess he's still a guy. He's just a dismembered guy. Right, right. You 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 don't you don't change biochemistry right. with an operation. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but my 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 point of bringing all of this is is that that we we are seeing, uh, and I'm sure it's not new for magazines, and it's certainly not new for newspapers to lie to get people to click and that sort of thing. But the clicking and going to a voter registration site just seems, uh, you know, I just seems really strange. And and we're watching all over the news today, uh, everywhere, the the outrageous reaction to political division. And I'll say outrageous reaction and, and the leftists and the Marxists and the socialists losing their minds they look like a bunch of caged rats and calling for violence you have this i i mentioned this on a show earlier this week you have these politicians who are absolutely rabid about this election i believe because the socialist this as as um uh what's his name um Attorney General Eric Holder said, uh, called it the new Democrat Party, right? So uh-huh. you have a whole new set of rules or lack thereof for this new Democratic Party, this extremist socialist wing of the Democrat Party. And these people are not above uh, violence. As a matter of fact, they're calling for violence. But then you have the people in the Democrat Party 
who are who are clinging desperately to their political power because they see it slipping away in this new Democrat party. So they're trying to to grab the coattails. They're trying to jump on board this bandwagon and they're trying to encourage this violence by not encouraging violence. Right. So they're saying things that are that are sliding in that direction or can be interpreted in a in a strange way but always skirting the line of the law on in actually inciting violence and i think that this is a very dangerous trend in america this this skirting the line of the law by these people in political power and when we come back after our first break, remember, this is our double dose show, so we got lots and lots of time with you today. But when we come back after the break, I want to I wanna discuss with you, JC, the consequences of skirting the law like this. And I believe that it's going to have a very, very uh, long-lasting ramifications if we don't get a handle on it. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And I wonder, and, and I left that break off the way I did, because I'm wondering how many people are thinking, yeah, we need to, we need to change the laws. We need to make uh, this, this, uh, these people be accountable for their speech because you can't just skirt it. We need to sort of expand this so their speech is covered in this inciting violence uh, kind of classification of a limitation on speech. And that's exactly what I'm trying to help people understand we don't need to do, right? We don't need to stretch the laws of that, that limit speech, but we do need to hold people accountable for their actions. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but I, I think even in the prosecution that uh, it's not typically pursued. I mean, Rand Paul said, if you guys keep going, somebody's going to get assassinated. Right. Um, we already had that attempt with Steve Scalise. Right, was exactly. a victim of one of these shooters. And if I remember correctly, I thought this guy like made attribution of or something like this this was the influence so yeah it's like no absolutely you, he was a democrat and said that that yeah this so even kind when of you, call even when that comes up it's it's not pursued i guess because maybe i mean i don't know why but there there is a lack of accountability and even even politically we've talked about this before when we talked about the violence on the left in, in that show um how it's the you know the difference uh think about think about when you know some of this what is this guy's name spencer or whatever the nazi people and and and, and some of these guys were saying things and what you, what you constantly hear is this chorus of democrats saying saying to republicans will you condemn this you need to condemn this so now they're saying it and there there's no call for condemning they're actually promoting this yeah, right you absolutely. don't you don't see you never see 
things like this happen, and then the Rep- Republicans start going, oh, yeah, yeah, we need to do more of that, or that's what we need to do, and agreeing with these things. You see right. the Republicans condemn it. Uh, but on the Democrat side, th- this is this was the point in the other show when we talked about this. This is accepted on the Democrat side, and now it's now it's being promoted by actual prominent figures and leaders mm-hmm. in the Democrat Party. I think what we're seeing here is the culmination of a lack of accountability for a lot of things. Uh, when you have a Congress who has a an eleven percent approval rating, but a ninety five percent reelection, that breeds a mentality in politics that we can say and do anything. We covered the story about the girl, uh, the the paralegal lady who worked for works for the Department of Justice. Who, who came and organized an actual attack on the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, right. and nothing happened to her. She's still working at the Department of Justice as a paralegal, and because of that, she tells uh, Project Veritas in an undercover kind of video that says, you know, we can practically do anything and we won't get fired. Yeah. And I believe that that's what, that is the kind of, of atmosphere that has overcome those in Washington D.C. Yeah. and it's it's not just in the politicians it's in the politics uh-huh. it's in the policy that we can do anything and and we will not be held accountable it's a lawlessness it is a lawlessness but it's it's not i would say it's not just simply a lawlessness to the letter of the law I would say it's a lawlessness from a social perspective, from a moral perspective. Yeah, yeah. We have these people in Washington, D.C., where we've, we've failed to hold them accountable for so long. And here's the thing. As our, our political parties, as this, this movement of the New Democrat Party becomes more and more polarized as they become more and more aggressive as it becomes more and more apparent of who we are this i I just i feel like i feel like um uh predicting the future here this this uh unaccountability is not going to decrease it's going to increase here i saw we were we had the tv on while we were getting ready to leave on friday and i watched this political ad that said uh, gave the flashes of all of these socialists, these vi- you know, and the violent calls and this outrageous uh-huh. lawlessness of the the New Democrat Party, and the tagline was a vote for any Democrat is a vote for this, and this is what I'm talking about. I'm I'm gonna explain it when we get back. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here uh, with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall, and I I, I want 
I want to connect this jo- this dot for you. This political ad that says a vote for any Democrat is a vote for this kind of new Democrat party, this violence thing that's happening, and the extreme nature of this new Democrat party that we're seeing. See, this this two-party platform is is the kind of thing that breeds this lack of accountability. I have to vote for anybody with a Republican uh, name because if I do not vote for this, I'm actually voting for the other person. And it's, can I just confess to you, JC, that when I saw that, it, it's, it has an impact. It is a very controlling thing. And I thought to myself, you know, there's an element of truth to that. So it, it drives people to the polls to not vote for somebody, but to a vote against somebody. And then that breeds this idea that we need to tolerate the lawlessness of one side because it's a lesser degree of lawlessness, right? So the Republicans aren't calling for violence. The Republicans aren't calling for, uh, like Rosie O'Donnell calling for the military to go get up uh, Donald Trump out of the White House. You don't have uh, the Republicans acting, acting like Maxine Waters or Eric Holder or even Hillary Clinton. So we've got to support them. So we ignore the fact that the, de- that the Republicans are uh, expanding government, that the Republicans are, are uh, under like the, the direction of Jeff Sessions, stealing property from the people under the color of law. We ignore all this lawlessness because we have been uh, forced into political parties. You call it tribalism and teams. Well, you ha- I think you have to recognize there are factions even within the parties. So, right. you know, it's just like the Democrats, that message is to kind of moderate, you know, Democrats who, who have any sense. I mean, what they're saying is here's where your party is going. It's going to the radical part of your party. And, you know, so if you support this, this is what you're supporting. This is what your party becomes. This is who they're voting for. And the same thing in the Republican Party when, you know, when you say the Republicans expanding government and, and all those things, um, I, I would say that that's probably a majority of, of the party. I mean, the majority of the party is still establishment, you know, swamp rat Republicans. Right. Not, not everybody's like that. And I think that's why Trump has a lot of opposition because in many areas uh, he he's not like that. He's not an expand government kind of guy. Uh, in some areas he is, I, you know, like. Right, because he's a. He's, the stop and frisk kind of stuff, the police powers kind of stuff. Right. And he's he's a social, he's socially more liberal and because he, he wants to help people. Yeah, he's not like right. some uber conservative. There's right. like no question. He's not a constitutionalist but, either, so. Right. So, so yeah, you have. I mean, there there exists the same problem within the Republican Party with this state, you know, status and expand government. Right. And my point is, is that this this extremist mentality that we have to vote for someone so we can vote against something is is actually it, it is actually creating a greater despotism. And I'll use to you as my proof. I'm going to read to you from from George Washington's farewell address. 
and it's it's a bit of a lengthy section, but I want to read, I usually just read like a line or two from it, but I want us to read the whole this whole section in context because it's so very powerful. He says, I've already intimidated to you, I'm sorry, I've already intimated to you the danger of parties in the state with particular reference to the founding of them on geographical discriminations. Let me now make a more comprehensive view and warn you in the most solemn manner against the baneful effects of the spirit of party generally. Now, that's pretty strong language for 17. uh, I forget what year is this. Anyway, for 1796. I should know that. And so what he's telling us is this is bane this is this is very very dangerous this spirit of party generally. He says this this spirit unfortunately is inseparable from our nature having its roots in the strongest passions of the human mind. That nature, human nature thing that we have yeah. that we're always talking about towards tribalism. tribalism. He says it exists under different shapes in all governments, more or less stifled, controlled or repressed. But in those popul- of popular form, it is seen in its greatest rankness and it is truly their worst enemy. And here's here's the part that we usually we usually uh Quote, he says, the alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. And that's what I'm talking about. This, this factionization, this dissension of tribalism leads to a permanent despotism. He says, the disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. He's saying, look, you're going to, because of this, the, the, the scary nature that comes from this spirit of, div- of revenge and this natural uh, gravitation that we have to party politics, he says, will actually drive people to one side or another. Yeah, Not to median reason, but to one side or another. Right. He said, look for absolute power of, in an individual. So right. you sort of ava- abandon the principles. You're not driven by principles. Right. But it's about that guy, your savior. Or the other side, it's about not being with that guy. Yeah. I right? Think so it, it's the for or the against yeah. thing as well. So I think sometimes when we when we read that casually, we think that Jeff that Washington is saying, you're going to look for a savior. No, he's, he's saying exactly what you're saying. People will abandon principles right. and go to personalities. Yeah, and then he, he's also, <clears throat> I, I guess, in finishing out the quote, you know, he talks about what that what an individual in that position right could do, which would be not just simply a person, but could be a individuals in a party, the personality yeah. driven. So he says, he says the disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual, and sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction. More able, or more able, or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation, on the ruins of public liberty. I think we saw the sort of the veil 
pulled back on that in uh, during the Obama administration. You started hearing, I mean, literally hearing cries for uh, making him king. Like, yeah. let's do away with the presidency and mm-hmm. we should just have this guy, let him be king. And then and then you kind of have a similar shift, maybe not quite that extreme, but a similar shift or or at least not that, uh, I guess, clearly vocalized, uh, but under Trump. So it's it's interesting that these last two presidents are it's such a focus on them on the personalities, as an individual, you know, as the center of this this thing. Washington says, without looking forward to an extremity of this kind, I think he's talking about where we are today. Actually, he says, which nevertheless ought to be entirely out of sight, which it hasn't. It's become our full vision. He says the common and continual mischiefs of the spirit of party are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of a wise people to discourage and restrain it. Yeah. We ought to be in the midst. See, this is this is the teaching moment. This is the point where where we as a people in America have a unique opportunity to actually break free from this this hold of tribalism and factionism. If we actually said, look, we are seeing the product of this this duopoly of this two-party system, we are never going to be relieved from this political ping-pong match until we break free from this party bondage that we have. Right now, I just, in my mind, thinking in pictures, I have this vision of somebody just ripping through a membrane and coming out and saying, I'm going to be clean of all of this party faction. I'm going to start voting for people based on who they are, based on their qualifications, based on their principles. Yeah, well, that's why, and that's why the Constitution has to be the answer. The Constitution and its principles are the answer in, in what you, you know, what you teach because it's, if it's based on principle. The principle runs true. You know, no matter what, and it doesn't matter who who it is, what party's in control. It's not about party. It's not about personality. Listen to what he says. I'm just I have goosebumps reading this because it's just so crazy. He says it serves these party distractions to distract the public councils in and enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms kindles the animosity of one part against another, foments occasional riot and insurrection. It opens the door to foreign influence and corruption, which finds a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions. Seriously, 1796, this man... This man penned and spoke these words. Yeah, prophetic. Why? Practically prophetic. Well, because what? Human nature never changes. We're always driven by the same passions in the same directions. We're influenced by the same uh, things that he's talking about, the same matters of human nature. This is why the Constitution was written the way it was. It was written on the wisdom of this. So you see uh, Pelosi and Holder and th- these folks with their comments actually stoking that. I mean, that's what they're, fe- yes. that's what they're feeding. 
And then you have all of this news about the caravan and about the uh, Saudis and all this other stuff, all this foreign influence being injected in the middle of our political party chaos when we should be worried about policies and not politics. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here. JC, can you believe we're already in the last segment of the first hour? Yeah, and I want to I want to remind people about um, you know what we're doing in Panama City that was hit by the hurricane. So right. the mission that we work with, Global Impact Ministries, um, has taken up to try to help rebuild a, a boys' home there, and we committed to. Uh, doing the floor and getting the materials and uh, be about $5,000 to do that. And uh, last, last check we were, we were about halfway uh, to, to raising that $5,000. So, and you guys are helping that there are a bunch of you who are donating and yeah. we want to say thank you for that help. This is a domestic mission that needs our attention and uh, we, we here's the thing that I want. We need to encourage these organizations, these religious organizations, Christian organizations, private organizations to to be helped by the generosity of the people, yeah. not through the legalized plunder of government. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you can go to G.I.M.I. dot world, G.I.M.I. dot world to help rebuild this boys home. Um, and we surely appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. But I, I think you made a really, man, a great point in going through that, uh, watching this farewell, farewell address in 1796. Um, this factionalism and, and feeding this factionalism, feeding this the party tribalism, um, it really crystallized for me listening when you're saying that. It, it really makes us vulnerable it, it, it this Absolutely. is actually a national security issue it right is. It, it makes it, it puts is. us in danger you said because of this then you see different ones taking advantage you know this foreign influence and foreign infiltration taking advantage mm-hmm. of the the sort of breakdown the chaos in fact i i think i mentioned this uh, a couple shows ago i remember reading an article or listening to some of these guys uh, in the intel community that talked about Russia and different foreign uh, foreign powers having people here in the United States that mm-hmm. were actually organizing mm-hmm. uh, some of these these riots and disruptions. So they're actually um, right. um, capitalizing on this uh, this division uh, in the nation and and, uh, and causing trouble. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Washington says it is important, likewise, that the habits of a think of thinking in a free country should inspire caution in those entrusted with its administration to confine themselves within their respective constitutional spheres, avoiding in the exercise of powers of one department to encroach upon another. 
And the, he says the spirit of encroachment tends to consolidate the powers of all powers uh, in of one department. Oh, I'm sorry. He says the spirit, <laughs> the, the text is a little bit small and my 50-year-old eyes are crossing. The spirit of encroachment tends to consolidate the powers of all the departments in one and thus to create whatever the form of government, a real despotism. Wow, you have eyes that are older than you are? Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's like you can literally say the parties themselves have become national security threats. Yes. Yes, and this and and, and he because says the Constitution is the answer is what he says. It's Fo- exactly follow it. the Constitution. Follow the Constitution, and what we have now is exactly what he has warned us against. We have the 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 legislative body has has dumped so much of its power onto the executive branch that we live literally in political confusion. We don't know who's supposed to be doing what. We don't know how this is supposed to be working. We don't know who to hold accountable. You see, this faction, creating of these factions, not only uh, keeps people divided, but it keeps them confused as to who to hold accountable. We don't realize... And okay, so healthcare is is a big thing in the midterms this year, right? It's a huge thing, and we don't realize as we look at healthcare that the national healthcare policy was created by the Republican Party, because we're we're so divided by party factions, we're so divided by this this um, passions that we have against p- personalities that we are not holding anybody accountable. You know, that dream, the DREAM Act and all that, the same thing. I, I was, we were researching the dream, DREAM Act and all the immigration stuff. The DREAM Act, people think it's brand new. That came out 2001 in the Republican min- administration. You know so what? You don't want to miss this. You got to go to chrisannhall.com and uh, get the rest of this show. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, Google Music Play, you're going to hear us. We're going to come right back after the break. But uh, this, this, wow, this is a powerful show. I feel it. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show, our Saturday edition. This is the second hour, our double dose. And I'm just, woo, I'm feeling it today. I, we are getting deep into the real problems here so we can find the real solutions. And you know, JC, this is why I get so very angry at the uh, judicial, the federal supremacists, all those who have been brainwashed that say, you know, we don't need to hear what to what dead people said 250 years ago. You know, this is what could the, the, George Washington was a slave owner. Yeah. So what could he possibly tell me that could be of any value? Well, hello. Well, hello. You don't know what you don't know. So, I mean, how could you say, why should we listen to that guy? You don't even know what he said. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why. 
uh, that's why the everybody here at, at who, who's listening and following the Christiana Hall show, you guys do know. You know what they don't know, and that's why this is important for you to bring this to them. So we were we were talking about how Washington warned that this he calls it the spirit of party. He actually calls it a mischief. Which is, uh, you know, sometimes we think of mischief as like uh, Dennis the Menace. But in 1796, mischief had a very evil connotation. So what we have now is George Washington, the first president of the United States, probably the only man in history to ever say, no, I don't want to be a king. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think about how many presidents we've had in the last uh, 50 years who would have gladly become king and who, well, who have become king. Right. Right. Because that's what our presidents have become. And so Washington's warning us, you get you get seeped America. You get seeped in this political party division and you're going to find yourself in a state of confusion. He says, hey, I'm going to point you to the solution. The Constitution is the solution. Separation of powers is the solution. Because here, if people are focused on the Constitution, if people are focused on keeping the government, as he calls them, in their proper constitutional spheres, JC, we got so much to do. Yeah. Right. Well, if we are concentrating on keeping government in its spheres, we don't have time for all this other garbage. Well, it's definitely not going to happen during midterm elections. <laughs> people, so people my vision, gonna... the vision that I have of people breaking free from from this this membrane that is enslaving yeah, them is it'll part... be post midterm. Oh, OK. <laughs> you just deflated. That's my probably one of the more political focused times i know but i just got really distressed i just i'll just admit to you that i got personally distressed over my natural over the draw that 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 political ad had over me naturally then i'm gonna tell you it was seeing the scenes of these politicians who are absolutely and and visually an affront to everything that is liberty, everything that is constitution, everything that is that is good and right in the world, had had a very momentary, you know, it's very very brief, but it was a very powerful pull to say, well, you know, maybe I ought to vote for Rick Scott. Really. <laughs> I, we just had this I just, conversation I know, yesterday. I know, but like I'm going to tell you, that's how powerful that emotional pull is. Okay. I guess I'm different. Because, I, 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 you know, we talked about, we actually had this kind of conversation yesterday. Like, you watch what's going on. Uh, the, the polls, they talk about the bump and this and that. And I was reading an article about uh, Heidi Heitkamp outing this sexual yes. assault victim. Yes. You know, actually... I don't know, like twenty of them in this letter without their permission and using their name for political gain, and and the, the one of the one of the ladies they interviewed, uh, you know, said okay, a Democrat, a Democrat, yeah. So you're a liberal, yeah. Uh, so you know you were going to vote for Heidi Heitkamp, right? Oh yeah, I was going to vote for. Her. How about now? No way, I would never vote for. Her. And so that's the thing. Like what what do people but base their voting on? Nothing. Here's the thing. Nothing changed mm-hmm. about. Height camp, not one single thing. No, nothing changed about the Democrat Party, what they stand for, what they do. So, 
it's hard for me, and, and this I think a majority of people act this way, but it's hard for me personally to wrap my brain around, uh, you know, these sort of flash moments, right? The October surprise and all the the Kavanaugh hearings, mm-hmm. it, it, all of that influencing people's vote. What did you learn? I mean, Republican voters, what did you learn about the Democrats during the Kavanaugh uh, hearing? That you didn't know. And if there's something you didn't know, why? Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing changed right. about the Republicans or the Democrats right. in the Kavanaugh hearing. Right. Right. They are who they are. They are who they who they've been. Mm-hmm. So it's it's mind boggling to me. I think I've li- I heard Rush talk about the independents and undecided people who don't believe anything. How could you possibly be undecided and then no, how no, no. does how do these these little incidents make the decision for you it's mind-boggling yeah see see i don't think that anybody is undecided i've talked about this for years i don't believe that anyone is undecided i believe that people just don't care yeah i i i think undecided is a is a misnomer it's the people that just simply say you know i don't care because i want to just do my job and come home i just want to do you know, I want to be the soccer mom. Right, I want yep. to be the the baseball football dad. Yeah, it's really I more don't uninvolved. Care. Yeah, that's uninvolved, a, yeah. not undecided. Yeah, it's not undecided. Because because and so that's the phenomenon, right? When you're detached, you're uninvolved. You got to turn on the TV and like whatever the thing is. Okay, that's my decision. Mm-hmm. So you base it on whatever's happening, and and that's that's the thing. The politicians know that's how so many America operate. So that's why you see this stuff nonstop. That's why it's nonstop drama because you just happen to have, you know, you want to happen to catch right. uh, whatever uninvolved voter that they call right. undecided uh, mm-hmm. at, at a moment where you make them make a decision. So right. I, I, it's just mind boggling that people are that stinking stupid that you're so dumb right. that. That's that's how you make your decisions, and you don't know who these people are. Come on, where where are you living under a rock? Right, right. It's crazy. Look, the th- the Kavanaugh thing that did nothing for me. I already know the Democrat well, Party is against due process. I already know they're nasty, despicable party. Right. I, I didn't need that to make my decision. Well, here's the thing. Again, as as Washington said, if we are focused on the Constitution, if we are focused on government, what you would have seen through the Kavanaugh circus and debacle is that we never even actually asked Kavanaugh constitutional questions. We never asked Kavanaugh about questions about the maintaining the separate spheres of government, and we never actually pulled the string that he kept throwing out there where he places precedent over the Constitution itself. And it's absolutely amazing to me that we have this kind of of deviation, this gravitation uh, against the Constitution, away from the Constitution, away from principles, away from principled party politics, when the foundation of America was built on the warning of who we have become. Yeah, but if you think I about, mean, in writing. Yeah, if you think about what we're, what we're saying, um, again, it goes back to the people, right? Mm-hmm. We have this this political circus because of the people. Mm-hmm. The, the people are uninvolved, detached, uninformed, uneducated. 
right? Mm-hmm. We don't know the principle. So, mm-hmm. so then we base it on the, the circus, whatever flash is going on in the circus. And so the politicians know that. So therefore, that's the kind of system they run. Right. That's what this drama is about. Why, why did the Democrats do what they did in the Kavanaugh hearing? Was that's how their base and the people mm-hmm. they're trying to reach react. They're trying right. to reach. They're trying to make women mad and right. stir up. Uh, their radical base that primal emotional instinct because it's not principles you know how many i mean this was a crazy thing over and over again we're watching c-span and then they read different articles Mm -hmm. and all of the interviewees like i i lost count i mean 95 percent of the ones we listened to Mm -hmm. and, and read what did they have in common the ones that were saying i believe ford they were saying well, I was a victim. I was a sexual assault victim. So they related to that on an emotional right. level. It had right. nothing to do with the presentation of facts, evidence, due process, no principle whatsoever. It was their vicariously, you know, making their decision through, through, you know, they see themselves in that situation. The politicians know that. They know the voters are unprincipled. So we, they have to use this drama to get people well, to make a decision. They know that because we've been raising unprincipled people in our government school systems now for generations. Yeah. So, but I'm, we we've created this environment. Yeah, and and I would say that's why what you do is so important. It's why Liberty First University, for instance, yeah. is so important because this only works because of a populace who who is not informed or educated on these principles. No people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. But on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. We don't need a caravan to destroy America. And a caravan's not destroying America, right? right. It, the caravan is a symptom. Yes. it's a That's a problem on the border. Oh, my goodness. Because... That that border problem is a symptom of the real problem. Right. Right. The fact that we have we are uh, he, I'm always laughing at the, the the politicians like to evoke the name of the Constitution when when it suits them. And they think if we don't pass this legislation, if we don't pass this budget, we will be in a state of constitutional chaos. No, you blather an idiot. We're already in a state of constitutional chaos. And it's because of you. Then, you know, JC, there may be people out there sort of scratching their head about the statement that we made earlier about the Republicans being the source of national health care, the policies of national health care. I just want to tell you, go hard to find. It is not that hard to find. I did. a. I just did simply a, a search. And actually, there's a group called Physicians for a National Health Care Pro- Program that have a brief history of universal health care efforts in the United States, and they and they give an overview of this. Now, there's more detailed sources out there, but look, America, if we don't start realizing that we are, we are looking through like the old-fashioned 3D glasses where one lens is blue and one lens is red, we don't start peeling that off and start seeing reality, nothing's going to change, and, ja- and Washington says it's only going to get worse.
The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. So, welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. I am every day Chris Ann Hall. And sitting next to me is my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, who is J.C. every day. You don't self-identify as somebody else? I w- you know, I, I often wondered, could I self-identify as, as a Supreme Court justice? Yeah. Because that would be really cool. If it. I could self-identify as a Supreme Court justice, march my, my, my little backside up to uh, Washington, D.C., and just simply, uh, you know, say, hey, Ginsburg, um, you've been here too long. I think you've occupied this seat too long. Uh, I am self-identifying as a Supreme Court justice. I'm going to take your robe and, your, and your, your flashy little things that you wear around your neck. They have an actual name for those things, and I always forget what it is. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to do this job for a while. How could anybody argue against that today? Uh, you'd probably have to self-identify as a prisoner for a while. A prisoner. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, that would After not be self-identifying. <laughs> that would be an imposed identification by the man. Which is wrong. Yes. An imposed identification by the man is wrong. So if we are to take off these these old-fashioned 3D glasses, which, what a great symbolism that is. The idea that if you put glasses on, that one side is white red, one side is blue, and they were. that what you see is closer to reality than if you were watching them without the glasses <laughs> on. Isn't that what the whole 3D is? Yeah. It's re- It's like it's right there in front of you. It's real. So these red glass, this glasses with one red lens, one blue lens, they yeah. actually make you see closer to reality. Yeah, but it's still a movie. It's it's not real. It's still fake. It's not real. <laughs> real real is outside. R- real is when you take the glasses off and you reach out and you touch the person next to you. So I love that. That is a great metaphor that we that I've that we've just developed here. I think we could see a political rally movement where everybody has their blue and red glasses on and takes them off and throws them away and that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I remember Cole was like some years ago and he was that's just the 2d is this and 3d and he goes what's higher than 3d i said reality yeah (laughs) right right so if you pull off your false 3d political glasses and you look at the healthcare issue you have to realize first and foremost as washington demands a a survey of the constitution that there is absolutely no authority in the Constitution for the federal government to be involved in a national health care program. Not only is it not an authority, it is an authority that is reserved to the states. And if we are to take Washington's warnings at heart, we would have to know that to in allow the government on the federal level to engage in health care is a uh, is actually creating a confusion that will work to enslave the people. I wonder how many people. I wonder how many people in America f- connect the dots and just see how much power is is consumed and 
and consolidated into the federal government just through health care. Do you know what the response is? Because Chuck Schumer says, you know, in if you're wearing your red and blue glasses, Chuck Schumer says the Republicans want to uh, to have less care for more money, right? But the Democrats want uh, better care and more affordable care for everyone. Do you, if you pull off your glasses, you know how you get better care and affordable care for everyone? You get the federal government out of health care altogether. Mm-hmm. And that means that we must end the political, pharmaceutical, and insurance relationship. Yeah. That's where the high, high cost of health care does not naturally come from health care. The high cost of health care does not naturally come from what people try to blame a capitalist open market society. An open market society actually dictates lower prices than higher prices. And so what we have now is a, is a system that has become altered by a reality where government is actually married with pharmaceutical companies, married with the health insurance companies. And here we have proof, evidential proof, that the only people who are getting any help from ACA are, is the healthcare industry. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We are just scooting here along. So we, I have an article uh, from a financial mag called Axios, and it, it just, it's amazing the financial data that has been collected as a result of the affordable care health care. And it's in in the headline is the Affordable Care Act has helped not hurt the healthcare industry. And what they mean is not, oh, well, we have better, more affordable health care. They mean that the healthcare industry is actually getting rich. And the big winners in the Affordable Care Act are the insurance companies. Their stock prices are raising through the roof. The yeah. hospital, the industry, which, which by the way, the healthcare industry helped write the Affordable Care Act through intensive lobbying, yeah, of course. is also benefiting. So the irony here, I hope, which is not lost in the thinking people of America, is that the Affordable Health Care Act, which was supposed to make health care affordable for everyone and, and stop the quote-unquote greed in the health care industry, has actually fed it, has actually created a, a boon for these agencies. And we talked about this back when it was being pushed by Obama administration. We talked about this. There's actually an article on my website called uh, Connecting the Dots of the ACA. It's at chrisannhall.com, Connecting the Dots of the ACA. We'll go ahead and post that again since we're in the midterm and we want people to throw off their 3D glasses and see reality of, of, of the tentacles of this program and what it does And it actually created job security for health insurance companies and for health care providers. 
subsidized by government. So when you have a job security that is subsidized by the government, then you can charge whatever you want. It's why our colleges cost so much money. Education doesn't cost money because it costs that money, much money to run education. Colleges don't have to, tuition should not cost $200,000 a year. And it's not because the Republicans are in charge. It's because government has involved itself in the private industries and created these, these Soviets, these, these agencies that are non-government, but government at the same time. Right. So you can charge people all this money and you, or, or you, can, you can charge this much for the service and then you say to the people, well, it's not going to cost you that much because here the government's going to give you money to subsidize it. Well, this tells you one thing. It's not going away. No. There's no repeal coming. No. Ever. Ever. I mean, now it's tied in. I mean, it's tied into Wall Street. It's tied into, yeah. uh, I mean, people are making tons of money. So it, it's not going away anymore. No. You can and hang that up. Yeah. There's no going to be no repeal. Nope. There's not, not going to be anything that does. Only thing you're going to see is an expansion. Yep. Because when government consumes power like this, the only thing that happens is that it grows. Yeah. And, and they will never let go of it without having it ripped from their fingertips. And now too many big interests are making too much money. So it's entrenched now. And that's why the whole thing about uh, the cost of education reform is ridiculous, too. The, you know what's going to happen? The only thing, thing the only thing that can happen in both healthcare and education is that it becomes a single payer program. Yeah. That's the only thing, that's the only step in the evolutionary process of both healthcare and education that will ever happen is it's got to go single payer, which means it's free for everybody except for those who are paying taxes. Yeah, and I don't I don't see that happening until so what I can see in this it, you know they're gonna they're gonna milk this cow till it's empty. But what I see is the the premiums and things ballooning so large mm-hmm. that it just absolutely collapses. That people can't you know can't even afford health care. Uh, well, it hasn't. All. Yeah, I, I suppose, but it hasn't happened in the colleges. Right. No, but I'm saying in the in the health care thing because we've seen in this we've seen the premiums. Go up and up and up and up. People haven't seen the savings that they're promised. They see mm-hmm. an increase, uh, huge increases in their premiums, and the cost of this stuff is going to keep going up. They're making more and more money uh, off of this. Yeah, and so that's how you get to the single payer, where you right. know, they make all the cash they can until, till it just absolutely is unsustainable. Well, I think we'll see that in the education system before we see it in healthcare because it's got a head start. Yeah, you, you already see that. I mean, the tuition and yeah. stuff is just astronomical. It keeps going up and up and up. It's But it's kind of like But I can get a federally same. guaranteed student loan. I can get a Pell Grant. Yeah. I can get this money from the federal government that, that offsets the cost of this education. And that's what's happening with insurance, too. Well, the prices can go up because that's just natural inflation, right? That's the story we're sold. No, that's, that's the Federal Reserve. And that's what, what Trump has been talking about with the Federal Reserve, manipulating the monetary system. So that these, these people do get rich, and they get rich because we are paying in taxes that shouldn't be paid, subsidizing industries that ought not be subsidized. Yeah, all it's 
it's all crisis tactic, Saul Linsky crisis tactic, you know, to make a reason for you to clamor for some new, you know, some change, some new system. And the whole thing is we we are once again, can I just simply say once again, doing something that our founders warned us about. I can't imagine what what James Madison would be thinking today about government subsidized education and government subsidized health care. But I can tell you what he said in 1792. And I want us to listen to this because once again, the goosebumps that I got from reading George Washington's farewell address as to in looking out the door and seeing this is the reality that we politically live in. Listen to what James Madison, this is the warning that James Madison gave to Congress in 1792. He said, if Congress can employ money indefinitely to the general welfare and are the sole and supreme judges of the general welfare, They may take the care of religion into their own hands. They may appoint teachers in every state, county, and parish and pay them out of their public treasury. They may take into their own hands the education of children establishing like manner schools throughout the union. They may assume the provisions for the poor. They may undertake the regulation of all roads other than post roads. He says, in short, everything from the highest object of state legislation down to the most minute object of police would be thrown under the power of Congress for every object I've mentioned would admit the application of money and might be called, if Congress so pleased, provisions for the general welfare. He says, I venture to declare it as my opinion that were the power of Congress to be established in the latitude contended for, It would subvert the very foundations and transmute the very nature of limited government established by the people of America. And then he says this warning, just like Washington said, hey, we got to keep this in our vision. We got to keep focused on this Constitution. We got to keep away from these consequences. And and Madison, as a representative speaking to the House of Representatives, he says, what consequences can ensue? What inferences may be drawn from this expansion of power of Congress in the name of money? He says it's incumbent on all of us to consider. But we've stopped considering. And I think it goes back to a simple human nature. Covetousness. Wanting free health care. Wanting free college. Free stuff. Is free stuff uh, that's that is a a a a wicked whether you're you're Christian or not that is a wicked ideology that justifies the legalization of plunder because you think that your neighbor has something that you deserve that you don't have we we've and that's okay so that's what what Samuel Adams was talking about virtue. And that's what the politicians understand. It's what they tap into. I mean, they the primal instincts. My goodness, we've become political cavemen. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the American population, with all of our educational resources, with all of our access to wisdom, with all of our access to philosophy, with all of our access to history and politics, we have literally become political cavemen where we just run around grunting, moving from one emotional f- 
platform to another, never thinking past to the, the end of our nose, never thinking past tomorrow. It's like that third world country uh, uh, frame of mind. Uh, today is all I need. Yeah. I, you know, I, where do you go from there? Except to well, educate the people and, and bring up a new generation. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what I was going to say. You got to teach your children the right principles. You, don't want, you want them to be mindless automatons. You know, like so many, just just uh, led around by the nose of, of your emotion and this sort of flash in the pan event going on. Um, I, I wouldn't want I, I don't want to live like that. I wouldn't want my children to think like that. I mean, and that's the system we feed. We're going to continue to feed this system if we don't get educated, educated our educate our families and uh, and our neighbors. And, you know, we have to become and inform principled people again, or we're spinning our wheels. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy about a lot of the, the, uh, decisions and moves in this administration, things that have been done that we haven't seen for, for decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't sustain some of these things if you don't have a people, you know, behind it. I mean, I was, just, I was thinking yesterday, you look at all the things that you can criticize Trump about, I look at so many things that's been done in this that have been done in this administration that's that are astounding that they've happened. I mean, I was thinking about when he he signed the that big crummy bus oh. crummy bus bill and he yeah. says, Don't bring me something like that again. I'm not signing anything like that again. I mean, even nice he wouldn't have signed in the first place. But he says, I'm not signing this thing again. And then just a couple of days ago he sits down with all his executive department heads and said you know, hey, I've heard I've been hearing about this penny plan for 15 years. I want to do the five penny plan. I want you guys to cut five percent off of all your budgets, and some of them have cut double digits. I mean, you haven't seen we haven't seen anything like that. When was the last time. time a president sat down with the executive agency and said you're going to cut your budget? But here's the thing: it, it goes back to what you're saying. So the factualism: you go, hey, yay, Donald Trump and Donald Trump did this, but without a principled populace, you can't sustain this. Donald Trump leaves and it's going to turn right back to the other way. So the answer is not some guy in an office. It's these principles. It's return back to the Constitution. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show, our last segment of today's show. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I want to say thank you in advance for sharing this show with your friends and family members so that we can help to bring about this new generation of educated, principled people. And uh, remember, we are moving to SoundCloud And I think that's probably one of the best things that we've done. We are the fastest growing podcast on SoundCloud right now. We went from day one for from just uh, a few thousands to now 
uh, tens of thousands of people listening to the Chris Ann Hall show and uh, on the podcast. Now, we have radio stations and other things that are not accounted in that, but it's just amazing how quickly the Chris Ann Hall show is growing, and that's because of you. So we want to thank you because you believe in America as a principled place and you want it to be a principled place. And as parents, we always want a better place for our children, don't we? Absolutely. And we need to stop looking at, hey, I want my child to have a bigger house. I want my child to have a better car. Maybe not stop looking at those things, but but to start looking at the principles that bring about those things. Yeah. Instead of the, the, the physical manifestations, the principles that bring about those things so our children can have a better future. JC, I don't want to leave this idea that Donald Trump has sat down with the executive agencies and told them to cut their budgets. Because when we were talking about this the other night, uh, JC and I sitting out on the uh, in the backyard and just enjoying the mosquitoes and stuff like that in Florida. No, it's cool, man. There are no more mosquitoes <laughs> right now. <laughs> I was spraying those suckers <laughs> last night, man. So anyway, um, you know, presidents cannot raise or lower taxes. Right. They, okay, so they can, but they're not lawfully allowed to. Okay. Okay, so that's what we have. Well, I so, mean, the president leads Congress. I mean, he, you right. know, he, the sort of the bully pulpit, he sets sets the agenda. Right, but he's, he's not the, the one who raises and lowers in taxes. That's right. the House of Representatives. But what Donald Trump has is doing now is showing us what the president can do. Yeah. When it involves spending, when it involves budgets, Donald Trump sitting down with his executive agencies and saying, look, the Congress is going to keep spending like a bunch of drunken sailors. We're not going to we don't have to spend the money that they're sending us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut the fat. And that's how the president takes the leading role, like you were saying. That's how the president becomes a, a guide to government. He says, look, you guys are idiots. You're wasting the people's money. You keep shoving this money at us. So guess what? We're not going to spend it. And the president has the power, actually, to deny a budget that has come to him. Not to deny the, deny the budget as the whole, but the budget that is sent to the executive branch. He can't deny the budget for legislative things and that stuff. But the budget going to the executive branch, the president can say, I'm not going to spend this money. What a novel idea. I wonder when it was the last time we had a president said, I'm not going to spend this money. I'm not going to spend the taxpayers' money on this program because it's not right. We're not going to spend this much money because it's not right. And that's the kind of leadership roles that we need in the, in the office of the executive. And that's how we get around. That's how we eventually get rid of these unconstitutional uh, executive agencies to begin with, by the way. We start, we start working them back to bare bones we start returning that money to the people and their states so that they can, can grow, grow their own programs because 95% of these executive agencies that operate domestically ought to be state-run agencies, not federal agencies. And so we can return those agencies back to the states. Yeah. Did you yeah, buy your I, lottery ticket, JC? I did not. I saw it's like almost a billion dollars. I know. That's crazy. That which That's nothing to the federal government these days. I mean, that's... <laughs> what Nancy Pelosi said that's crumbs, crumbs. crumbs. I mean, that would be a crumb that would Nancy be a crumb Pelosi. but you know I look at look at all this stuff I mean that's not the only thing you look at 
Trump. And there's, like I said, plenty to criticize. But I don't get the never Trump and the freak out over some particular things. Oh, he said crass things about women. He messed around with porn star. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's legitimate criticism. But you got lowest black unemployment, highest black employment. Um, you got the the coal industry coming back, the steel industry coming back. You look at he his his bombastic stuff with uh, Kim Jong Il, North Korea, North Korea now has North Korea and South Korea talking peace and reconciliation. How how can you be upset about that? Well, we'll see you again on Monday, Daily Journal. God bless you guys. Bye bye. Let me know.